Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Fort Road Victory Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or get connected, please head to our website at frvc.ca. Now on with the sermon. Good morning, everybody. Good morning for those of you who are watching online. Thank you for joining us. Wow, it's surreal, isn't it? Oh, I'm not scared of people. (laughs) I'm good. So here's the thing. Like, January is when we first started hearing of this craziness, right? January was when we were going through our fast, and we're starting to hear of this, this Asian epidemic or Asian virus that's going around, and now here we are, right? A month and a half later, and it just, to me, is like, wow, we have just been in a time warp or something. And here's the thing. I mean, Luke said it. I mean, there's been other epidemics over the past. In the, in the past of human history, when you look at it and you look at human history, how many epidemics have come and gone, right? They've all come and they've gone, and mankind is still here, right? And here's the thing. It's a new virus. So, they, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns. We just don't know what to do with it. But ultimately, it is a flu virus, and, and yet, you know, the, the health official is telling you that every year there's a, there's a, there's a flu season, and they, they tell you, be careful. And so it's just really for us to continue to maintain that, that attitude, okay, I've got to take precautions, and I see that that's what's happened today. But um, I've got to hand it to you that you came out today because there's people that automatically just fear would have stayed home regardless, right? But here we are, and, and I want to state how important it is that, that when, when Hebrews tells us, do not forsake the assembling of one. Why is that? Because it, this is how we get our encouragement. You can, I can't encourage you if you're at home. I can't encourage you if I don't know where you are. But if we are together, this is an encouragement to me. Yes, this is normally less than half of who shows up on a Sunday, but I'm encouraged that people came out. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm encouraged. Don't be discouraged by what you don't see. Be encouraged by the people around you that you do see, right? So this morning, I I titled this, Who's in Charge? Part 2, A Crisis or an Opportunity? Isn't it? This is what we're looking at right now is, is this a crisis or is this an opportunity? Okay? Here's the thing. When, whenever we come into something that's an unknown, like an epidemic or, or a, a bacteria or a virus, the first thing that sparks in us is fear, right? Fear. And you know what fear wants to do? Fear wants you to lose control. So what do you do in response to fear? You do everything you can to regain any sense of control. Hence the panic buying. For some reason, that is gaining control in some people's minds. They're going to be okay. I laugh, and I just, you know, I'm not mocking anything, but, you know, this started in Asia, and toilet paper is the last thing they worry about over there because when I grew up um, as a kid, we didn't use toilet paper. We used a little tub with, with water, and then you washed your hands. It was just a normal thing. And all the Filipinos said... And all those who traveled to Asia said, so they're looking at us and thinking, wow. So here's a story for you. I I go to Walmart yesterday, and sure enough, all the toilet paper's gone. But there's paper towels there, right? So this little lady, she comes and she goes, there's no more toilet paper. I said, but look at all the toilet, look at all the paper towels. I says, 
you, you can use that. And she looked at me, and she's like, she wasn't relieved that I gave her that answer. You know what she says to me? She goes, and, and this was like, wow, this is really first world problem. She looks at me, she goes, but I can't flush it. I said, well, have a good day. <laughs> that was a big concern for her because she could not flush it. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, whether a vaccine is going to be created, we don't know that's going to happen down the, lower, down, down the road. This is what we have. We have time, don't we? There's time. This is all we have is we're waiting it out. We're sitting and watching the clock, and we're all doing our best to try and get through this and, and get... Because, again, there's been worse plagues and viruses that have come down in history, okay? So I'm not going to quote any stats. I'm not going to give you any conflicting data or sources of data, but I do want to look at what the Lord says for answers how we're going to get through this. That's what we can do. That's all we can do. As a church, what does the Lord say about this, right? First, here's the thing. Why, if God is in charge, because we're going through this whole thing is who's in charge, why, if God is in charge, would he let this happen? The question of why doesn't come into being until it affects you directly. Think about that. For any situation that you're going through, the question of why doesn't ever come into, into being in your mind until you are affected directly. You don't ask God why a child loses their life in the womb until it happens to you personally. Yes? You don't ask God why natural disasters like tsunamis or hurricanes happen around the world until a tornado or a blizzard hits us and it incapacitates our city. Yes? Right? You don't ask God why people are dying of a flu in China until it crosses continents and now we are affected directly. Wow. You see what why does? Until it affects us directly, do we start asking God why, 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 why? Right? And here's the thing, because we don't have the mind or the intellect or the knowledge of who's in charge, our creator, God, right? We can't know the answer to why. The Apostle Paul addresses it to the early church. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read some of these verses that he's addressing to the Corinthian church. Chapter 13, verses 9, 10, and 12. This says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes the partial will pass away. That's all we know right now is partial stuff. When, you, when it comes to this virus, we only know partial stuff. We only know parts of what's happening unless we actually know all the information or we know exactly why this is happening. We can only know in part. God has limited our knowledge to what we can know to be parts of this. So he says in verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I, know, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. He knows that there's a time that's going to come that we will finally know everything. But for now, and this is the Lord's words to us, for now, we're only going to know parts of this. You can't answer a full question like why when you only have parts of an answer, can you? You have to rely it back to God. I don't know the creator's mind. I don't have the creator's intellect. I don't have the designer's understanding of why this happens. But I give it back to him. Amen? You ever watch these um, cooking shows or these baking shows where they have to bake or cook? The, the two, two contestants have to bake or cook the exact same thing, right? 
beat Bobby Flay is one of them. I, I just love that show. So they cook the same thing, or uh, other baking, baking shows where they have to cook, you know, chocolate cake or whatever. Now, you get two people, two different creators, two different authors, two different designers who bake the very same thing, but come out with something a little bit different, even though they're very same thing, right? Do you see how I, I can relate this to... It, it depends on what the creator, what the author, what the designer is thinking when they're doing that. Because obviously, they're going to use something different in their ingredients. Maybe it's a method that they use when they bake their cake or they cook their, their, their specialty. But they, they've cooked the very same thing that someone else is competing against with them. But they've done something a little bit different. The same thing, but a different method or different ingredients. I don't know what the other person's thinking. Right? I, and for sure, I don't know what God is thinking, but I do know that he knows this is happening. Right? So when I ask God, here's the thing. Paul's going to draw us back to the words of, of um, when he says in Romans about the, the, the mud and the clay and the, and the potter. You know, when I'm asking God why, I'm putting myself in the position of that piece of clay, that piece of mud that says, what are you doing? Right? I'm putting, I a created being, a piece of mud, is putting myself equal to the creator and say, why are you doing it that way? Why are you allowing this to happen? And so I have to remember my piece in this is, I don't have that ability. I don't have that ability to understand why God would allow this to happen because I really am. You and I are really just mud. We're just dirt. For us to even question why God is allowing this, what he's doing, puts us in no position to even equate ourselves to who God is. And if we can understand that, then we can understand, I don't know. I don't know, but I know that God is in control. But to put yourself in, the quiz, in a, a position where you're questioning, you're questioning, and you think we have a right to question why God allows, why God does this, is really putting ourselves into an equal position of who that creator is. Ooh, that's a dangerous place, I would think. That's a dangerous place, I would think, for people to, to look at you and think, wow, you have all the answers to why God did this, right? Now, those of you who are parents, think about this. There are questions that kids ask us where you don't have the answer to the why, right? There are questions that they'll ask you, and we do it because it's the, we have the best interest at hand. I can't explain to you why this is done this way, why we did it this way, why I did this. And I said no, and I said yes, but I do know that I have the best interest for you. Parents, you understand that? There's a lot of times where you can't answer the kids, well, why are you doing this? Why aren't you letting me do this? Why can't I do this? Because. <laughs> you know that, that word because? is simply because I'm the parent. Because I know better. Because I'm protecting you. I'm looking after you. And at times, that's, that's just God telling us, because. I'm looking after my creation. I know what's going to happen down the road. So this is happening, and there's no need to question it, but trust that I know that I've looked out for your best interest. Because we live in this generation where why is the biggest question. Think about it, right? We live in a generation in a society in a time right now where if you can't answer the why, then I'm not going to listen to you. Unfortunately, that, that follows this young generation that's, that's up and coming. They're always wanting to know why. The biggest question. And again, belief then becomes largely based on how well I answer the why question. But here's the problem. 
Sometimes faith, there's just no answers to faith. It's just you just believe it. Young people, I'm talking to you. Sometimes there is just no answer I can pro provide for the why. You just have to believe it. And there's something in our, in our spirit that connects to God that we know, that we know, that we know. I don't know why, but I know. Anybody here understand what that, 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 that feels like and that senses inside? Like, I don't know why, but I do know that, that I believe. Right? Here's the thing. Jesus didn't even answer the why when he was always confronted by the disciples. When he was preparing his disciples for when he was going to leave, he couldn't just flat out say why, why God had planned this. He couldn't because they wouldn't understand it. So they were so focused on this kingdom that God was going to lead here on earth through Christ that they couldn't understand a greater purpose in why Jesus had to live and die. Okay? So instead of him giving a, a long discourse... They just couldn't understand. So if you've got your Bibles, look at John 16. Let's look at this. John 16, I'm starting at verse 16. It says, a little while you will see me no longer, and again, a little while you will see me. Like, think about that. What? Like, automatically in that verse, I'm stunned. I don't even know what he's talking about, right? So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? So can you imagine even if Jesus tried to explain the whole ramification of creation and why God had to send me and because mankind sinned and because this is a fallen, they wouldn't have understood, right? So he says, a little while you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me and because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you are asking yourself? Is this the why that you're asking for? Right? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. They're still not getting it. He gives them a little bit of this discourse, but it's like, I read this and think, wow, I'm not really sure what you're trying to say there, Jesus. Okay, so finally he comes out and says it. Jump down to verse 28. He says, okay, finally, I'm just going to tell you. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. <laughs> think about that. I read that and think, well, that makes sense. But we, it makes sense to us because we understand. But can you imagine what, what, the, what he did to the disciples at that time when he just said this? Blah. And they're like, what? Right? His disciples said, ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And they're trying to butter themselves and say, yeah, we get it, God. Finally, you're, you're not speaking parables. I kind of get this now. And, and Jesus says, no, you still don't get this. Because look what he says to them, right? Jesus answered them, do you really now? Like, seriously, he says, do you now believe? Really, replace that with the word seriously. Did you really just say that? Do you th really think you understood what I'm, I was saying? Right? Behold, the hour is, come, is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered. Hey, he's challenging them. Yeah, if you really believe this, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen then. 
There's a time coming when you will all scatter in your belief that I'm God and that I came to do everything that you wanted me to do, but you're going to end up scattering, he says, right? When you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see the grace that, that Christ shows his disciples? You're not going to get this, but I'm going to tell you, but you're still not going to get it. So instead, I'm going to show you grace because you will understand this one day. And isn't that like us? Like we want the answer, God. Why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to our world? My kids are young. Why, 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 why? And God is saying, you know, you're not going to understand this. You just have to trust me. You're not going to understand why I'm allowing this, but you just have to trust me. And it will make sense one day when we finally can talk about it. But in the meantime, guess what he says? I have peace for you. Did you get that? In the meantime, in the midst of this coronavirus epidemic, pandemic, however you want to call it, flu, whatever, I have peace for you. Who's got peace? He's talking to believers. He's talking to you and I. You have peace. Whether or not you recognize it, whether or not you're actually living it, sitting it, recognizing that it's upon you, it's there. It's there. So here's the thing. Crisis or opportunity, right? What do we have to offer in the midst of this crisis? We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity. And you're thinking, well, what is that? Well, number one, look what Luke's just saying. We know that there's some people that are concerned about their health and they don't want to be in, in the general public. And that would also mean that they might not be able to go to church. Guess what? I'd love for some of you to come volunteer to help me. Hey, maybe, we'll, like Luke said, we need to go pick up some groceries for them. If that's you, if what Luke said, and I, and I, I shared that with him, if that has, you know, yeah, I've, I've got this opportunity. To, to, to infuse encouragement. Maybe it's just to go pick up groceries for somebody, run some errands for someone that's at home that doesn't want to be, because right now fear is crippling them or they really are concerned about being exposed to this virus. Those of us, you know what? We can do this. Leave me your names. Phone the office and leave me your names. Or give me your names. Let's do this. I'll let you know that, that w there are people that, that would love to be able to be encouraged because... Guess what? We're living out Acts chapter 2 where they did things for one another. They looked after one another. We read that passage in Acts chapter 2 that I've been preaching on chapter 2 verse 42 to 47 and we think the church was just doing really well. No, when, if they looked after each other, that means there must have been people that were not well. If they cared for each other's needs, that, that means that there was people that had needs. Right? But we're living in a day and age where, uh oh, you know, Better just shut yourself in your house. And believers are falling for this because of the fear that's out there. And I'm saying, let's turn this into an opportunity. If you're already following the, the, the guidelines that the health officials are telling us, keep yourself healthy, number one, right? And then if you're going to, you know, wash your hands constantly. Carry that hand sanitizer with you constantly, right? Protect yourself but then use that as an opportunity to minister to the ones that are like, I'm not there. I'm not there. I need some help. I, I need 
the care of other believers around me to show me that we do have this peace, that we do have something that we can offer. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Show you this again. Jesus says we have peace, okay? Mark chapter 4, this is the, this is the story of, of Jesus going into the boat, right? And then the disciples going with him. On that day, verse 35, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Peace was with them in this storm. When you read that, like, I think about this and I read, how could Jesus even sleep when, you know, have you ever written on a boat when it's a good day and you get the sea legs by the time you're done? Well, we're talking about a storm where the water is coming into the boat and Jesus is asleep in the stern. I'm like, man, he must have been exhausted. Like, there's times when you are so exhausted you don't even feel, you know, the ride when you're in a car. You just go to sleep. I'm thinking, man, he, it shows our, our, our Lord was physical. He got tired as well. But he, in his, in, in his understanding of, of the peace that was upon him, could sleep in a, in a situation like this. And here they are. They're going across this, this lake. And the disciples are like, God, don't you care that we're drowning? God, don't you care that this virus is upon us? Are you following me? And Jesus is saying, why are you so afraid? Peace is with you. I'm with you. And this is what we have to get from this, is understanding that the peace of God, Christ himself, is with us. Is with us. Right? Cool. Here's the thing. So, they get, they get to this, they get to the end and, and, and to the other side and everything is good. But Jesus had to go through this with the disciples. Because you know why? Because two chapters later, it'd be two chapters later in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus says what? I'm sending you two by two. Now go. And he says, I don't even want you to take extra set of clothes. I don't want you to take a money bag. I don't want to take any food. Just what they had on themselves. And it, what does it say? It says they went, they left. The disciples themselves, okay, after they had witnessed this, Jesus was not going to be with them. But they had to understand that peace would be with them. That the Holy Spirit would be with them where they went now. But they didn't understand that. They just knew that after this, this experience, that Jesus said, you know what, I got, I, I'm going to send you out two by two. No clothes, no Bible, no Bible training, no nothing on how to pray. Or how to cast out demons. And it says they cast out demons and many were healed. When we recognize that a crisis will produce either an opportunity for us to step up in faith or opportunity for fear to come in. We have to look at it as, is this a crisis or is this really an opportunity? 
And as believers, we have to look at this as this is an opportunity for us, right? And they obeyed. They had no problem. Why? Because they experienced going across that water and recognizing that peace had been with them. They had no problem going out into the world from there and experiencing what they had to experience and being able to cast out demons, being able to heal for people. Imagine what we can do in a time of crisis, you and I, each person in this room. Here's the thing. You chose to come today. You could have succumbed to every, every health official that says, you know, stay away from gatherings, right? They're closing everything that where there's a, a possibility or an ability for people to gather. Now they've closed all the recreation centers. That's my swimming for the, for the season. It's done, right? So whatever. But here's the thing. Until they tell us as a church that we can't gather, they've said, you know, 250 is a normal. Anything above that, you know, think about closing down. But here we are. We're going to continue to do this. Why? Because we have an opportunity to continue to infuse faith in each and every one of us and encourage one another so we can leave this place and touch somebody else's life who isn't. Who isn't at a place to say, wow, I don't have this peace that you have. Right? I need help. I, can you do something for me? Can, can I do something for you? We have to look at every opportunity we have to be able to touch somebody that is being drowned in this fear. Social media has just exploded. It really has, right? I was just talking to somebody, a young person said, man, when social media came out back when I was a kid, they didn't talk about H1N1. But now, with, with the ability that we have, Everything is just going crazy, right? Turn with me to your Bibles, Romans chapter 5. This is what Paul tells us now. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, by how? Faith, right? I can't explain it. I don't have any proof as to the why, but he says by faith, right? We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. This is what he's telling us. Because we have this peace, we have this ability to be confident in sharing in God's glory and touching the lives around us. Amen. This is where we're going to have to push that faith up another level to rise above this fear that is just surrounding and clinging on to us, right? Okay? He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us and develop endurance. What is this doing for us? Because I said, all we have right now is time. We have an ability to endure. We're developing this ability to be patient through this time and extend this patience to one another and to those who are lacking this patience. Amen? And endurance develops a strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Amen. This is what we have. This confidence, I can't conjure it up in myself. It's got to come from him. And so in the meantime, if I grab onto this, it's developing one thing after another to be able to show the world that we've got something totally different than what the world is trying to give us.
Are you with me? This is what we want to be able to do, isn't it? During a crisis, we can either be crippled and paralyzed by this fear and do nothing and become selfish, panic buying, stay at home, don't talk to anybody, right? Or we can cling to our faith, which is going to develop character, develop endurance, give us hope, share it confidently, right? And be bearers of hope in this world. We can help those who are struggling and dealing with this crisis. Man, people need prayer. Right now in this time, when they're reaching and grasping for straws and they can't get any, what can you offer them? Eh, there's no problem. Toilet paper is obviously not a problem. But prayer is. Why? Because they're looking for something else. They're looking for something to cling on to. You know what? We can help meet some of their physical needs. Like Luke said, we can't afford it, but hey, if they, if they, I can go and get it for them, right? We must choose to declare faith instead of fear and show that we have an opportunity, not a crisis. This is what the church is called to do at this time, okay? Look what he said. I, I'm building up to one, one other thing, and, I, and we have to understand this. If you're a believer, if you know that you know that you know that you know that you love God, that you, that, that you are in relationship with Christ... This is what I'm, I'm, living, um, I'm going to. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 to 25. Look at what the Apostle Paul says. For to me, he says, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ which would be far better for me. Remember, he's, he's talking out of, out of the fact that he's in a jail cell, isn't he? So yeah, it'd be better for him to die because I'm stuck in this 4x4 this four four jail cell. There's nothing to do. But man, it'd be better if I was in Christ's presence. But he says, but for your sakes, again, he's not looking at himself. He's looking at realizing that there's someone else that he could touch, someone else's life. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Boy, we have to come to this reality as believers, don't we? We do. This reality that life or death is equally attractive. Because either way, you're living for the honor of the Lord, aren't you? Life or death. And we, man, we hate that word because we've seen so much of it in the past. And we're only in March. Man, who, could, who would ever think that after we finish the 21 days of prayer that this would hit us right in the face? Well, let's look at this as a, an opportunity then, right? And again, go back to what Paul is saying. Whether life or whether death, our lives are to honor God. And ultimately... Here's the thing. We're going to be home with the Lord one day. I don't know if it's going to be soon or whatnot, but regardless, if, as long as we, we're, we're still here on earth, we look at the fact that we have a life here to help those around us who don't know what it means to be in relationship with God. Ultimately, we're living for who's in charge and not for ourselves. That is when you know for sure that fear is replaced because it matters not. Paul says, 
This is how you know his fear was completely replaced. It matters not whether I live or die. It matters not for us as believers because ultimately we are perishing. Our lives are, are, are we're going to lose this life, this earthly life, but we are going to be home with the Lord. And when we can see that, because, man, sometimes we value this life more than what the afterlife that God has promised us, right? In the meantime, as we're waiting and God hasn't delivered us yet, I can still praise him, right? I can still give. I can serve. I can trust him. I can do something to make a difference in somebody's life. And ultimately, isn't that what it means to live by faith? This is what we're doing during this time. We're learning how to live by faith, not by fear. We're learning that faith creates these opportunities for us. Faith is an actual opportunity for us to make a difference in someone's life around us. See, here's the thing. Fear is imaginary. Think about that. Fear is imaginary. You have all these things in your head of what could be, what could happen, what if, what if, what if. And it seldom comes to pass, right? What if you got into a car accident? What if, there's so many what ifs. What if you died? To, but it seldom comes to pass. And we allow this seldom comes to pass to grip us, to hang on to us, instead of recognizing that the faith that I have in me comes from Christ, comes from knowing him and trusting him and serving him actually sustains me. Wouldn't you rather be sustained than always be under this pressure of what if? But what if? But what if? There's so many unknowns out there. And the negative ones are always just crippling. But the positive ones is someone's life is going to change. Someone's life might change if I stepped out if I actually understood that the peace of God is with me and I can go into any situation and know that somebody's life is going to change. If there's any final takeaway that you want to take out of this, this is one simple thing. Pray and wash. No, think about this. Pray and then wash. Just remember to pray and remember to wash. I want to show this clip, and I don't know if there's any children here, but this is a clip from a movie, 12 Strong. And I watched this movie, and this one, do you have it available? Patrick, is it available? Okay. And I want to apologize because we couldn't, you know, bleep out the expletives because there's a couple words in there that you all hear, but it's in this movie. But anyways, it challenges us because as believers, we live by faith, Right? And it's a story, 12 Strong is a story about how the Americans came to help the Af Afghanis go against the Taliban to take them down. And this is, a, this is a, a, a conversation happening between an American soldier and the general of the, of the Afghani rebels. And it challenged me when I heard it and think, wow, isn't that so true? Play it and I'll, I'll close. <laughs> You know this area, right? Right? 
Which means you knew about the Taliban supply line and you didn't tell me. If I'd have known, if you had told me, I could have hit that column before they ever made it to us. But I am Amadashowen. If you want to kill your own man, that's fine, but I ain't letting you put my men in harm's way. You understand? Everywhere you go is harm's way. <laughs> oh, shit. We're fighting we're with horsemen against tanks. You have an obligation to tell me everything you know. You don't have a stomach for everything I know. Ah, fuck. You will not win here because you are not honest with yourself. You expect victory without blood. I expect you to share strategic information with us. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing here? Your anger comes from your fear because you live in a place where life looks better than afterlife. That's not this place. Here, Taliban kills everything you live for. Your mission will fail because you fear death. Mullah Razan's men, the Taliban, they welcome it because they believe there is riches waiting for them in heaven. And give me the goddamn information I need and I'll reward every last one of them. <laughs> General, I'm, I'm your link to the greatest weaponry in the history of civilization. You, you gotta stop guarding me and start trusting me. Greatest weapon in history is this. I don't have soldiers in my army. Not one, only warriors. Stop being a soldier. Start using this, and you can be a warrior too. Did you hear what he said? Besides the F word. He said, you guys value your life more than the afterlife. And man, as believers, we have to understand that the afterlife is going to be way better than what we have now. Amen? But in the meantime, when, until that happens, and when that happens, we have an opportunity to look at a Christ and say, this is an opportunity for faith to arise. Would you stand? We're going to go into worship this morning. Because faith is going to sustain us through this. But faith is not just about sustaining. Faith is about now, guess what? We're going to step out. We're going to step out. And we're going to make a difference to those lives around us that are so wrapped up in fear. Father, would you just speak to our hearts as we go into worship right now, Lord. Remind us again that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, which is faith alive in us and that there is a world out here right now in our city in our communities in our work in our schools where fear has gripped them let us be instruments of faith that you place in those areas to speak about the love of christ the peace of christ that we have in whatever situation we step in we have christ's peace upon us let us change this world let us be instruments of change for what is happening now. Let it be known that the church did not back down. The church did not go into hiding, but the church stepped out and cared for one another outside of their four walls. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is this morning, I pray that you would just receive him. This is an opportunity for anybody who does not know who Jesus is. There's so much fear out there that's causing you to just question everything, but I tell you, when you have that faith and belief in, the, in a God that loves you, 
a designer who's created all of this, who's not short of answers. And there's that abundance of peace that's upon your life. You need it. Confess that you are in need of a Savior. Confess that everything you're doing is separating you from God. I don't care how good it is, the good things that you do, you are separated from God. But because Jesus Christ lived and died and resurrected, we have the ability to be reconciled to God. Receive him now. If you prayed that prayer, would you talk to somebody? Would you talk to me? Talk to one of the leaders. We want to know that we're going to go through this together as a church. Father, I, I pray again for each person that they would walk out of this place encouraged, not because they can answer the why, but that they can trust and, and rest in the fact that the peace of Christ is upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope you got a lot out of today's sermon. If you'd like to connect with us, please feel free to check out our website at frvc.ca. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Have a great day, everyone.